From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. Ah, hope you're loving life here this morning. It's uh, Monday the 19th of February 2024. This is TNT Today's News Talk. And I am Rick Munn and this is Locked and Loaded. And all being well, well, I know for sure uh, Gemma's going to be uh, gracing the airwaves and not too long, not too far away from now, but also I hope to be joined for the first time by Dr. Niall McRae, former senior lecturer in mental health at King's College London. Uh, we're going to be talking about various issues with him and also uh, before the top of the hour, the one and only, the very dashing and handsome Mr. Simon Milne will be joining me also. And he's an absolute gem. The last time we talked, actually, he was uh, in Davos, I think it was. He was at the sleep out in Davos before heading off to sunnier climbs. But he's back in the UK now, I believe. And we're going to be talking about some domestic issues before the top of the art. Now, uh, if you don't already do so, I encourage you to check out our website, which is tntradio.live. Why, you may ask? Well, because it's a hub. Uh, you can go on there and check out what's on, on our uh, schedule. You can see what presenters are currently on the roster. And of course, you can check up on any shows that you may have missed on the website, tntradio.live. If you simply click on the show, you will have the option to either listen back to it on the Podbean platform or watch the video playback of a show that you may have missed uh, or that you want to catch up on, or even better still, use them, uh, forward them shows or click the link or copy the link and paste them. Talked earlier on about WhatsApp groups are being really, really badly abused by the police in some cases in the UK. Why not use WhatsApp groups properly? You know, if you're in them, if you're in a lot of them and you get a lot of spam in there, why not start putting links through to your favorite TNT shows into WhatsApp groups? It's a great way to advertise because of course we're trying to expand because we're in a war. And who are we fighting against? We all know that we're fighting against them. You know, they are doing this, them, and it's globalism. We're fighting globalism, period. And it takes many, many shapes and forms, and it comes in many shapes and sizes, but that's who our arch enemy is. It, they are the globalists, and there are many of them. Yes, them, they, those, that, not all that sort of business. That's their pronouns, they and them. So uh, please, uh, help the war effort, spread the news. And of course, uh, we are ramping up our production here at TNT and have been doing since day one. We're expanding like crazy because we want to be, well, we are an absolute viable threat to the mainstream media because we simply tell the truth. That's it. Not our version of the truth, not our own personal truth, the truth. There are no versions of it. There's either the truth or there's not. So if you haven't already done so, or if you feel uh, led to do so, please help us out. Uh, there's a donate button on the website, tntradio.life. You can go on there. And if you're able to help support the war effort, because it is a war. And believe you me, people, we are making an effort 
who fight it. So there you go. Check that out and also download the app from the Apple Store or the Google Play Store on your listening device of choice. Stay perpetually connected with us for all eternity here on TNT, today's news talk. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Hi, yeah, yeah, yes. Talk, 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 talkity, talkity, talk. That's what we're doing here this morning. Gemma, how are you doing? Yes, I'm doing very well. And it's interesting there, you talk about war, you know, uh, we're in a war. And obviously, we've got the war in the Middle East, we've got Ukraine, Russia, and and looking at this story this morning, uh, about our illustrious foreign so called foreign secretary, our unelected foreign secretary, dodgy David Cameron, he's off to the Falklands, he's touching down probably as we speak, actually. And of course, you know, that was a war that many say secured Thatcher's election victories from the 1980s onwards, you know, record run, because all politicians love a good war you know it, it, it bumps up the coffers and it bumps up pr value so uh david cameron is uh, is in the, i reckon he's in the falklands now he was, he's leaving this morning um and he's the first foreign secretary first uk foreign secretary to set foot on the islands since 1994 and the first cabinet minister since 2016 now you know we're of a certain age we remember the falklands war we were mm-hmm. young you know we were we, i was still at primary school but the mm-hmm. falklands war was when argentina obviously went and invaded in 1982 um, and that sparked the biggest military conflict for the UK since the Second World War. It also generated massive, huge headlines, and you had pictures of Mrs. Thatcher in tanks mm. and all kinds of things. And uh, it was a big deal, big deal for the UK. Um, but it's been, remained in British uh, hands ever since we won the war. Um, but uh, Lord Cameron and the new Argentinian president, uh, Millet, they met in Davos last month. And while they uh, agree on many things, the one thing they can't agree on is the Falklands. Uh, Millet wants them handed back in some kind of Hong Kong style handover. Mm. Um, that hasn't gone too well, actually, for the people of Hong Kong, that handover now. It's uh, you know, the Hong Kong, China are clamping down on freedom there. Not to say that that's the approach Argentina would take, but he wants he wants them back. Millet wants the Falkland Islands back to Argentina. Now, they've been in Brit- the British kind of hands since 1690. Uh, Argentina have always claimed that they have they kind of have sovereignty on the islands, but uh, th- this is what's up for debate. Lord Cameron, ahead of his visit, said uh, it's, it, Falkland sovereignty remains in British hands. It's not open to discussion and that him and Millet will have to uh, politely agree to disagree. That's what he said, but he's gone over there. He's gone over there and it's a kind of show of UK British strength, I think, to kind of reinforce the position. These islands are ours. You're not getting them. doesn't matter what you say. Um, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my presence felt here. He's going to pay tribute while he's there to the 225 British uh, uh, personnel, UK military personnel that died during the conflict. Argentina lost uh, 649 members of their military in the conflict. Uh, also, Dodgy Dave is going to be meeting a few Falklands leaders and he's going to be meeting some of the penguins. There because, of course, the Falklands mm. is quite near to the Antarctic um, uh, 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 continent. I'm struggling with my words today. Um, so that's that's where we are with this. Interestingly, in 2013, a referendum was held with the Falklands population. So do you want to remain as British citizens? And an overwhelming 99.8 of them said, yes, we do. And Cameron has said, well, that's the case. They belong to us. But Millet, he's doing what all good new presidents do. He's kind of, he's hoping for maybe some kind of, not a war, but a conflict. It's a PR spin for both nations, I think. But Cameron, is he's there today ahead of a G20 visit uh, meeting in Brazil on Wednesday. He's kind of stopping off, stopping off to make his presence felt on his way to Brazil.
He's a stopover, so uh, he's in. He's over there at the minute, paying tribute. And it's interesting some of the figures that uh, you were bringing up there. I couldn't remember uh, what the casualty levels were, and of course, it's terrible that there was two hundred odd Brits killed and six hundred Argies were killed. That's still about what nine hundred people with a conflict like like that that was so significant at the time and uh, so pivotal uh, in Britain at the time back in nineteen eighty-two. With the casualties that we're talking about now, you're talking hundreds upon hundreds of thousands in Ukraine. There's tens upon tens, tens of thousands of people are being killed in Gaza at the minute. Uh, it seems to be the death count uh, was relatively small, which is a good thing uh, for that particular conflict, but it was so significant at the time. And could there be a nostalgia thing with this as well? You know, could Cameron, uh, on behalf of the Tories, be trying to, uh, you know, re reignite the minds of maybe voters in their late 40s and early 50s that are unsure about the Tories to bring back to their memory what Britain did with holding on to Argentina in 1982 under Thatcher? Could there be an element of nostalgia in that? You know, because let's face it, everything's done, everything's calculated these days. Uh, Gemma, he's not there just you know to to drop off and pay tribute. He's not there to pay tribute to those soldiers. He does probably doesn't give a damn about them. But he has to say, well, there could be a positive spin in this for the Tories. Maybe it'll get somebody like Gemma, who's unsure, but she remembers. She remembers at primary school. She remembers, and Rick remembers as well. Yes, that was under our watch. We vanquished the Argies and we kept uh, the Falklands British. So could that be part of it as well? Well, there's a great saying, isn't there, Rick? Nostalgia ain't what it used to be. And I do think there is that tapping in to something that, you know, we were we were children. It was 1982. It, it certainly, some say, some commentators, many commentators say it secured Thatcher as a, a, a succession of Conservative Party victories because, you know, she won them back and she she took on the RGs. And as you rightly mm-hmm. say, it's a distinct possibility. We're in an election year. And, and as we know from all the nudge units and behavioural insight teams that were deployed over the scandemic, they know exactly how our minds work and they know how to manipulate them. Um, uh, whether it will work, because our minds possibly used to work like that, I don't think they do so much now. You, you've just nailed it and seen through what this possibly is, mm. a big PR stunt. And I wonder from Millet's side as well, as soon as he got to power, he thought, well, this will be, a, a, you know, this will keep me in office if I take on the Brits and say, I want the Falklands back. You know, politics is a game and it's showbiz and all of those things we discuss. Um, but there's no doubt, you know, the minute he gets off that plane and steps onto Falkland soil, first foreign Secretary since 19 UK Foreign Secretary since mm. 1994, the cameras will go mad. You know, this mm. is a this is a PR dream. This is this is this is this is history repeating. It's a conservative mm. senior cabinet minister on 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 Argentinian soil. Well, it's not Argentinian soil on, on the Falkland soil. Saying hands off, this belongs to the mm. British in an election mm. year. Yeah, I think you're quite right. The other thing is too. Let's talk about Malay just for a minute. Uh, we're talking about throwbacks to the the Britain of uh, the eighties, and of course, uh, part of our you know TV programming back then was Benny Hill. Uh, anyone outside Britain maybe doesn't know who he is. He was this little strange slapstick comedian. Uh, but if you've seen Javier Malay, uh, he looks remarkably like Benny Hill. Uh, someone actually sent me a picture of him and Benny Hill side by side with that weird, sinister smirk on their faces. I think Malay is an absolute oddball. And there's a lot of oddballs out there. There's a lot of segues in the world stage. I think Malay is an absolute oddball. And I would feel uncomfortable in that man's presence. He has this weird, creepy, sinister vibe that goes above and beyond most of the other globalists on the on the world stage at the minute. He's just a rare individual altogether. Well, what do you make of Javier Malay? 
I, I read uh, the article with his uh, girlfriend. Uh, she gave this huge interview just after he'd come to power about how they met and how their chemistry was electric. And, and yet they don't spend a particular amount of time together. And he's very, very, very close to his sister, who's appointed, mm -hmm. I think, in his cabinet, or she's his PR mm -hmm. advisor, Some, a pivotal role in the Argentinian government. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like this... Um, this very glamorous uh, kind of thing. She's a showbiz star. She, this is his girlfriend. She was rolled out in front of the world's press, giving a succession of interviews, how brilliant Malay is. He's amazing in bed. Like, too much information. Don't really need to know that. You're thinking, why are we being told all this? You know, we don't normally hear so much from even first ladies of of PMs and presidents. And suddenly the, she's his girlfriend. She's not even his wife, I don't think. And it was seemed very staged as well. You know, this very carefully calculated, he's a man's man, but, but I hardly ever see him. You know, it's just a very odd, um, very odd interview. And I, I did think then, same as you, there's something not quite right here. That, and he does look, I mean, I want to use the words Jimmy Savile, but I, I'm not going to. He I just has want that to. Vibe. He yeah, has he that vibe. He's a creepy, sinister Torag. That's what I mean. I would feel very uncomfortable being in his presence, not because I'd be physically intimidated by him, but because some people, Jimmy, you just know there's something so odd about them. It unsettles you deep down inside your spirit and inside your gut. And for my uh, money, Javier Malay is one of them. And of course, there was footage of him. I think it was last week. Uh, he was over in uh, Israel. He was up at Jerusalem. You know, he had the cap, the skull cap on. He had his hands planted against the while he was crying and weeping and crying and hugging the Israelis. What the hell is it with these people? Come on, turn off the tears, man. Turn off the tears. Uh, you know, it's get yourself a spine and a backbone and stand up for what you actually believe. And I can almost see uh, the strings attached to his ears and his hands. He's just like a little globalist marionette. That's my assessment of Javier Malay. Don't like him at all. And uh, the sooner we get shot of him, the better. But unfortunately, I think he's here for the duration. I, I think you could well be right. And of course, you just illustrated it perfectly, though, the puppet strings. You know, nobody gets to those positions of power without significant uh, influence and control from, as you say, you know, we use the word they, globalists, globalists, the real people in charge. You never really see them, do they? They just wheel out their little puppets and they they, they do their little dances. And I think this 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 Falklands thing with uh, David Cameron and Malay is another little dance, isn't it? It's another kind of, oh, let's see if we can stir up the memories of war in the UK, uh, stir up the memories of nationalism for Argentina, all of those things um, which play into the pockets of the people down below us and do influence, as we we know, um, general election voting. So I think, I think it's more to do with the general election in the UK that are coming up, you know, can this visit secure Rishi Sunak a victory like it secured Lady Thatcher a victory back in the 1980s? I think it's going to take, personally, I think it's going to take more than a, a visit to the Falklands by uh, old, uh, call me Dave Cameron, uh, to swing it for Rishi Sunak. And one last thing before we uh, finish this up, we're doing a lot of throwbacks to the 1980s and just uh, watching Malay gurning and crying uh, in Jerusalem last week. You remember there used to be a doll uh, for girls called Tiny Tears. You used to have to fill it up with water and then you squeezed it and then the tears used to spurt out of its eyes. He reminds you, he's a cross between a Tiny Tears doll, a Cabbage Patch Kid, Jimmy Savile and uh, Benny Hill. So that's not really a great endorsement from TNT or from Rick Munn anyway on Javier Malay. And I hope I never go to Argentina and get a tap on the shoulder by the security forces and have to give an account of my description of their lovely president uh, while I'm being interrogated in some jail cell somewhere. But anyway, uh, my mind's going all over the place and I think about Javier and Tiny Tears. So uh, we're going to wrap this one up for now. 
Big thanks to you, Gemma, as always, for bringing us uh, the latest breaking stories. You'll be back in another hour's time with uh, James Freeman. And after the break, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Nal McRae. So please don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on TNT. Today's news talk. TNT's Jason Olborn. Al Gore can't get a single thing right. And yet he gets another chance, for example, to uh, come out and tell us that if we don't do this, we're all going to be dead. And yet now we're learning that uh, in Ireland, for example, they're going to slaughter 200,000 cattle for the climate. I mean, aren't they doing it to us anyway, one way or another, whether we they pretend that we're heating up the world, we're all going to burn out, or if we starve, isn't it the same result that, they, that they're setting out to do? Well, this has got nothing to do with climate. It's got nothing to do with the environment. Uh, this is a new scam, and it's a case of follow the money. Al Gore has become a multi-billionaire from frightening, frightening people witless about a mythical climate change. And if you only looked into the past, you'd see that the variation that we're currently enjoying today is far less than previous variations. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. While serving in Afghanistan, I was hit by sniper fire. The fighting was so intense, the medevac chopper was barely able to land. In the hospital, I was given a 5% chance to live. It's a good thing math wasn't my best subject. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I talk to kids about dealing with life's struggles. I tell them, with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. I know that some struggles are big and some are small, but they're all struggles and you have to learn to get through them. With support from DAV, more veterans like me can live their best life. And as a new father, I have one more reason to keep on keeping on. My victory is being there for the next generation. Adam Alexander, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, TNT, today's News Talk, where the fun and the truth never ends. We're always bringing it to you, and I'm really happy to be joined for the first time this morning by the one and only Dr. Neil McRae. Yes, that's the correct pronunciation of it. I was mis mispronouncing him as Niall Neil McRae, uh, a former senior lecturer uh, in mental health at King's College London. He's also an author. He's written a book called Of Moon and Madness, the story of nursing in British mental institutions, and also Moralitis, a cultural virus. And also, last but not least, he's an officer of the Workers of England Trade Union. How's that for an introduction this morning? Dr. McRae, did you like it? Well, uh, thanks very much for that, Rick. And uh, just to update you, I've actually got a new book now, oh. uh, which is about the climate hoax uh, called mm -hmm. Green in Tooth and Claw. So that for mm -hmm. the last um, year or two, I've been focusing on, on that. Um, and so that book came out just uh, three weeks ago. Mm. Well, in interesting. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of strings to your bow, as it were. There's a lot of things that I would like to talk to you this morning about in the small time or the short time that we have actually together. And something that was highlighted to me last night, and I suppose it's very relevant because almost four years ago to the day, you published an article to do with uh, the Assange uh, situation that's ongoing at the minute, which of course is very prevalent at the moment. TNT tomorrow uh, and on Wednesday are live at the High Courts in London. 
covering this uh, hearing where Assange may well be extradited over to America, which would be an absolute disaster if that happened. But you wrote a piece uh, four years ago uh, to do with uh, a controversial judge presiding over Assange extradition trial. You were writing about this in great depth uh, four years ago. Hard to believe, isn't it, that after four years, we're just finally getting to this point where he's having the extradition hearing right now? Yes, and I think I'm right in saying, Rick, that that was written uh, just before the uh, the COVID um, mm -hmm. outbreak, and uh, uh, it was a different world back then, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I think that was February uh, 2020. Was. I, I'm pleased that you managed to find the um, article, Rick, because it seems to have been almost entirely um, removed um, <laughs> from the internet. I found an obscure site that still that still has it. Uh, yes. But yes, the point I was making was that, um, you know, it's not just Julian Assange. There are so many cases um, coming up to that time that showed that the British judiciary is politically and ideologically uh, biased to the extent that the, that, that the notion of justice, sadly, is, 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 is no longer there. Uh, the thing with Assange too, I mean, it, it, uh, some people, uh, it's getting a lot of publicity at the minute, probably more than it's ever gotten before. Now, of course, there's been people that have been very aware of the Assange case for you know well over 10 years now, but it is starting to get uh, more widespread coverage. The Australian government, for example, Albanese and co are now voting, uh, you know, the majority of which are trying, the Australian parliament are voting for him to come back to Australia again. They have been silent about this business now for a very, very long time. Now they're becoming a little bit more vocal about it. There's spotlight on London at the minute. A lot of people don't realise that Assange hasn't actually been uh, convicted of any uh, crime, but he's been banged up in Belmarsh now for the best part of five years uh, in horrific conditions in solitary confinement, akin to mental torture. His health and his mental state have deteriorated horribly. I believe he's being tortured literally by his solitary confinement status. He hasn't actually been convicted of anything. And before that, he was uh, holed up for a long time in the Ecuadorian embassy, again, not having committed any crime. How is this possible these days when you have paedophiles and child abusers walking free or being let out of court with suspended sentences? And here we have a man that's really done nothing wrong except tell the truth. And he's been languishing in hell for uh, over 10 years now, in total. Yes, well, I think that the certainly the last um, few years have have really exposed just how um, the state, and I, I don't just mean the British state, but other Western governments as well, are capable of anything. I mean, with, with, with COVID, they, they used um, emergency uh, legislation to do all kinds of things that would, could never, you know, be unprecedented, people would never have thought possible. Um, but really, the, the state has been wielding those powers um, as it chooses um, for, for quite a long time, as they did with Tommy Robinson, as they did with, um, they've been doing with um, Julian Assange. This is, it isn't about justice at all. Um, this is about Julian Assange being a, a threat, a threat to the established order. Uh, because Julian Assange has got a very powerful weapon, truth, and they don't like it. Uh, no. Julian Assange has not just got what, you know, you and I, Rick, we, we sort of speculate on what's going on in the world, don't we? But Julian Assange has actually got the documentary evidence 
um, proving that uh, terrible things were being done by the British and US state and others. And that's a, that's a danger. Um, just as um, Tommy Robinson exposing the grooming gangs scandal uh, was a danger. Um, truth is something that must be suppressed. And of course, there's a big campaign on now by all the governments in the West to, um, uh, 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 as an, an onslaught on freedom of information, they're calling it misinformation and disinformation, um, if not hate, there's all this legislation against um, hate crime as well. So all kinds of mechanisms that they brought in to stop people from telling the truth. And Julian Assange is at the very sharp end of this campaign. He seems to be. And uh, we've got to take a little headline break. I think we'll uh, we'll take it now, uh, Neil. But when we come back, I'll, I want to look at why why has he been treated so horrendously? Is it a case of, uh, you know, he's being made a scapegoat, a warning to other people with dissenting voices, possibly like you and I, who has the power to do something to help him? And if they have the power, why are they not doing it? I'm thinking about the Secretary of State. I'm thinking about, you know, presidential pardons that are available as well. Should they want to, they could drop the case. Why aren't they doing it? So we'll maybe look at that in a little bit more detail when we come back at the other side of this uh, uh, news break. So please stay tuned for more here on TNT, today's news talk. Big news. We do have some big news. Big news, big news. Woo! TNT Radio News. Big news. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Following months of fierce fighting on the front line in Ukraine, Russia has seized control of a key city in the Donetsk People's Republic. In a desperate effort to stay relevant, failed US presidential candidate Hillary Clinton appears to be trying to reignite her fight with Donald Trump. And the US ambassador to the UN says Washington will veto a Security Council resolution demanding an immediate ceasefire in Gaza because it doesn't suit the White House's agenda. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Okay, Neil, this whole business about uh, Assange, the, the way he's been treated, the horrible way he's been treated, and of course, you know, his family are suffering as a result of this too, his wife, uh, Stella, and also he has uh, two kids as well. They're uh, suffering through this alongside him. They're being unduly punished for something that he's never been proven guilty of. You know, what, what's he actually locked up for? The Home Secretary in Britain has the ability to release him. Uh, we know that uh, Trump, when he was asked about Assange when he was still president, uh, declined to talk about him or at least never talked about him in any favorable light. He had the uh, option to give a presidential pardon as Obama did, I believe, with the, the, the person who initially leaked uh, the details to Assange in the first place place it seems to be as you say he's got the thin end of the wedge here is this a warning salvo effectively that the world's governments are firing across our bows maybe to say well listen you write your books if you like you do your research and you put your posts up on your uh, social media and you do your podcasts and i do my radio but this could be you if you're not careful especially with all the draconian uh you know safety bills that are being brought in online harms bills and hate speech bills to clamp down on the truth being told Yes, you're absolutely right. This is exemplary uh, justice, 
or exemplary injustice, I should call it, mm -hmm. um, where, whereby it's not just about punishing the individual, it's about getting a message across to the wider public um, and to anyone who may uh, threaten the status quo in some way. So increasingly, independent media channels, I think, are going to be uh, targeted uh, because they're a threat, because they're telling truths that the authorities don't want um, people to hear. Um, but I, I, I think I first came across this uh, exemplary justice before um, uh, Julian Assange was um, sent to Belmarsh, so when he was still holed up in the Ecuadorial uh, embassy, um, was um, after we had the vote for uh, Brexit in the UK, the establishment did everything it could to stop this from happening. And on one occasion, there was um, there were always protests and counter-protests outside the Houses of Parliament. And on one occasion, a, a lady called Amy Dallamura, and she's mentioned in that article about Julian Assange that you referred to, Rick, um, where she called uh, an MP of the time, Anna Subri, a traitor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might think that's just a slightly more abrasive sort of um, uh, political um, discourse. Uh, she was jailed for that. She spent Christmas in prison. And that, to me, was a very clear example of exemplary justice. Um, you must not um, confront uh, MPs. And MPs will increasingly be given privileged um, sort of uh, protection. And of course, they're the very people, at least at the higher levels, political leadership levels, that Julian Assange uh, was aiming at because they're the people who are making the decisions that were revealed in the documents that um, he uh, had on WikiLeaks. Mm -hmm. Do you not find as well, uh, Neil, that this whole culture of whistleblowers uh, or people that are uh, lifting the lid and showing us the dark underbelly of what happens with, you know, a lot of governmental departments or war crimes that are committed by our own armed forces in foreign lands against the so-called enemy? Okay, uh, there seems to be a push on one hand to encourage whistleblowers to come forward. At least that's the PR spin on it. We want you to tell us if you see anything wrong. We want you to do the right thing and speak out. And then if you do that, if you do actually blow the proverbial whistle, you could find yourself locked up. David McBride, I don't know if you know him or not, um, uh, he's actually another uh, presenter on TNT, but he's uh, facing 50 years in an Australian prison uh, for being a whistleblower for uh, war crimes that were committed by the ADF, the Australian Defence Force uh, in the Middle East as well. He did the right thing. Uh, you know, he shone a light on people murdering uh, innocent civilians, allegedly. Same as Assange, he showed the video. If you've seen the collateral murder video, you can see it with your own two eyes. The people that did the killing were never uh, arrested, uh, but the person that reported on them doing the killing, we're talking about him right now. Uh, he's been banged up for a long time and he's literally rotting as we speak. Well, if governments set up some kind of scheme to facilitate whistleblowing, you can guarantee that they're not doing it for the whistleblower's benefit. Mm. You know, they're doing it to fish out. Uh, the people who can uh, cause them a problem mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, the UK government has got a petitions website, you know, where people put their, <laughs> put their, 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 their address, their email yes. uh, in. 
And, you know, it doesn't deter me from signing petitions, but let's be clear. This is about gathering data on who is opposing the establishment agenda. Uh, You're shopping yourself. So I think the whole (laughs) whistleblowing complex is designed to um, identify the people who will actually go to the trouble who are so um, impassioned by something and so, um, um, you know, activated by something that they will that they will um, go to that trouble. And because they're capable of doing that, they're capable of complaining and active, act, you know, other activism, too. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of identifies people. It helps the state, the deep state, if you like, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, to deal with people. And people have been punished, as you suggested for the very act of whistleblowing that the government has supposedly encouraged. Mm-hmm. And we, we have actually covered a lot of stories recently here on uh, this show, uh, the, the Locked and Loaded and Open Line shows about, uh, you know, things that have been happening in police forces, for example, and when uh, uh, someone has highlighted it, uh, that the person responsible for committing, you know, breaches of, uh, you know, security, and they got a reprimand, the person that actually did the whistleblowing in some cases was dismissed uh, from their jobs. And also, you make a very good point as well, you know, it, this is for the purpose of, uh, identifying and singling out whistleblowers uh, on a type of database. But don't forget, very few people work alone, uh, Neil. So the questions would normally be asked, well, if Neil McRae has come forward and, you know, at the time you were in the King's College in London, there must be other people in his little circle uh, that are equally thinking along the same lines. They say no man's an island. And of course, there's usually a little network. So maybe let's dig a little bit deeper into Neil's background and see who he's associating with at the weekends, who he's hobnobbing with, uh, you know, off campus. So no doubt about it, uh, the tendrils are spreading far and wide when it comes to gathering information in these uh, particular cases. Uh, you know, there was a story that I wanted to cover with you here, but we're just about out of time. We're, we're not going to get it done today here, uh, but you wrote a great piece uh, if it could steer people towards a conservativewoman.co.uk website. You wrote a great piece on there uh, that was published last week uh, to do with uh, their coming for your cats and dogs. Uh, Ned Zero mean, not only means no petrol, but also no pets. You talk about that extensively in the article. I would encourage people to go and check it out. And you're also a big uh, advocate of mental health. Uh, that's something else that's dear to my heart. Uh, we're not going to get time to talk about that particular issue here this morning either. But hopefully, if it hasn't been too traumatic for you, uh, you'll come back on again on uh, Locked and Loaded and we'll maybe be able to focus in on those areas that we weren't able to cover this morning. What do you say to that? Yeah, I'd be do- delighted to come on again, uh, um, uh, Rick. I've, I'm a sort of jack of all trades and master of none, but I can certainly talk about uh, my, my work on the, the, the climate hoax and anything to do with mental health. Brilliant. Certainly. Brilliant. Well, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, I absolutely guarantee it. Uh, if you're up for it, I certainly am up for it. Uh, I was digging around. I don't think you have a, a, a Twitter or a social media page. you got a website people can check out your work on or go to to check out the books that you've I done. I wasn't able to see that either. Uh, I, I closed my Twitter account a while ago and uh, mm-hmm. I'm on the echo chamber of Gab now. Do you know Gab, Gab. Rick? I know of it. I don't use it. I use the Twitter Twitter echo chamber still. But uh, if you're ser- if someone's searching for you in Gab, is it uh, under uh, it, Neil McRae? Yes, my, my address on Gab is Doctor underscore uh, Neil spelt 
N-I-A-L-L underscore McRae. That's M small C, big C, R-A-E. Right. Well, there you go, people. Please uh, follow him and check out uh, his work and his uh, musings on Gab, not Twitter, uh, on Gab. And also we will stay in contact and hopefully talk again sooner rather than later. So big thanks to you and a big uh, TNT salute to you this morning, Dr. Neil McRae. We've got to take a little break now. And then Simon Mill will be gracing us with his presence here to round off the show this morning, live, uncensored, unscripted on TNT, today's news talk. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the end of the week. So how about a little dose of Joe Biden at his best to get you through the weekend? Folks, um, uh, I, uh, if I were smart, I'd say thank you and leave. There's asylum, asylum officers and over 100 cutting edge inspe- inspection machines to help detect and stop fentanyl coming out of our southwest border. Greedflation, shrinkflation. You see that article about the Snickers bar? Well, it's going to stop. America, we're tired of being played for suckers. We get thousands. Look, we, we, you know, we now have, we used to, before the recession, before the, the pandemic, the beer brewed here, <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer in this refinery. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's going Cost 10 bucks to make it. 10 bucks to make it. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women I wear. Now, normally this would be humorous, funny, you know? But this is a man who's president of the United States and looking for four more years on the job. It's frightening. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there, providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, yes, uh, what a morning it's been. It's been crazy in a good way, in the best possible way, and I'm just about to round it off talking again to my old sparring partner based up uh, in Scotland, none other than Mr. Simon Milne. And if I can use his own words to describe him, uh, he was made in Pakistan, uh, born free in Scotland and raised in Africa. Uh, We are defined by our compassion and kindness towards others. Ubuntu, Ubuntu. People need to know what Ubuntu means. Explain it to us, please. Yeah, so uh, I, I think I think you explained it quite well there. Really, it's 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 basically means that we are, or I am, because we are. It, it's all about being part of a community, Rick. And that's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's you know we we seem to have become a a rather selfish society in the West. And, you know, I think we really do need to get back to being a community of people rather than just a collection of individuals. 
Yeah. And is that is that not one of the reasons, uh, Simon, don't you think that uh, yesterday, for example, uh, the weather was quite good up here in the northeast coast of Ireland. So me and the wife were out. There's a little uh, seaside village, little coastal village near where we are. We went out for a walk. Everybody was out. Everybody was out with their dogs. Everybody was out with their kids. Everybody was eating some ice cream, chip shops, getting chips, sitting at the front. Uh, seagulls flying around. The vibe was fantastic. Everybody was out and enjoying the weather, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying that feeling of belonging to a collective. Is that not precisely what they tried to destroy four years ago when they effectively shut all the businesses down in the UK, told us to isolate, not to go out, take an hour a day exercise at the most, don't sit with your family, the rule of six. Was that not the ultimate uh, signal that community is dangerous to globalist plans because they did their level best to keep us all apart? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it, 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 is, it is quite sad how society is changing. And I think even, you know, the technology that's, that we're employing today to simply be on this show using Zoom. Now, look, I, I think technology is a great thing, but it's a, a double-edged sword, isn't it? And um, during, during the so-called pandemic, uh, so many people ended up communicating via, well, this medium, Zoom, mm -hmm. and of course, Teams as well as as, as other uh, platforms, but what 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 we saw was a shift from social interaction, physical social interaction, to virtual interaction, and I think we've now got a, a generation of people who feel or, or are, have grown up in the last few years uh, using that medium of communication, and it's it's. It's nothing like reality. Um, sitting uh, across from someone at the same table, sharing a meal, even a cup of coffee, and having a chat is very, very different to what you and I are doing just now. And of course, it's great that we can actually communicate like this, but it's also extremely limited, and, and you have to understand that. But I've seen so many uh, people uh, relying now on, on this as, as their primary means of communication. And that's quite that's quite troubling because as you started off uh, by saying this is it really is is the the kiss of death for any kind of real community. It is, and the thing about it too is you know the things that were forced upon us over the last you know four years, and it's hard to believe it was March. Uh, 2020, I think it was the 20th, 23rd of March that, you know, the UK wide lockdown was, you know, remember that three weeks to flatten the curve. And, you know, then they brought out the furlough payments and Rishi Sunak, who was the chancellor at the time, this was in March, said, OK, we'll guarantee 80 percent of your wages until May. If you just stay at home, you won't have to commute. Everybody thought it was, you know, horrible that this so-called deadly pandemic was spreading across the world. But in reality, a lot of people were relieved. It's like, I don't have to commute. I don't have to go into the office. They're going to pay me to sit at home and the weather was actually quite good i remember it at the time people were out in the gardens uh drinking carryouts while, while the government subsidized their wages they thought it wasn't such a bad thing and of course three weeks turned into three months and the furlough payments 
uh, that were to run up until May 2020 ended up extending in some cases up until September 2021. But now I think, Simon, uh, and I know you're uh, business minded, the piper uh, needs to be paid. And we're starting to see, you know, these massive increases in real terms of inflation. People uh, buying part of their money is being terribly eroded. There was a, an article here that I highlighted uh, just to talk to you as well about uh, Britons have been warned that the UK state pension will have to be lower and paid later uh, as the system can't cope with the burden that's on it at the minute. So basically, just in a nutshell, the figures are the UK state pension spending is projected to cost £125 billion for 2023 to 2024, according to an Office of Budgetary Responsibility report. Uh, working age Britons face getting a lower state pension and having to wait longer to get it because the current system can't cope with an increasingly aging population. Of course, it's got more to do with it than just simply aging. When you think about the money that's been printed and the destructive influence that that has had over the last few years, it doesn't bode well for what's coming in the short to medium term, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, anyone who had any kind of uh, economic uh, sense whatsoever knew that when Rishi Sunak announced his uh, intentions or plans for furlough, that this spelt serious trouble uh, uh, on the horizon, and and it's it's come you know, it's 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 come back to uh, to haunt us pretty pretty damn quickly. Uh, there was no way that you could shut down the whole of the country's economy, uh, well, certainly a large part of it, uh, lock everyone in their uh, in their homes, and uh, and continue to pay a bulk of their uh, wages or salaries. Uh, without having very, very serious economic repercussions, which is exactly what's happened. At the same time, it's been exacerbated by the government, and I'm not going to use the word spending, I'm going to use the word wasting, uh, huge, vast amounts of money on PPE that was, one, unnecessary, two, uh, unsuitable. Um, and, uh, and we all know the stories around uh, contracts that were awarded to uh friends and uh and and uh, colleagues in the uh, in the conservative party um and if that's even gone further because we've uh you know we, we've gone into a situation where we are funding a war in ukraine uh so whilst the government struggles to mend basic things like potholes and roads we're sending billions of pounds in aid to fund a war that we actually don't really understand and uh, uh, we don't really see any end to it either. So we, we, have, we, we, we have some very, very serious um, political and economic problems in this country. That is uh, without a shadow of a doubt uh, in a year that we're heading towards a general election. You know, uh, you, it's just weird. You mentioned potholes there, and I mean, this is going to sound trivial to a lot of people, but you make a great point. The contrast between sending billions, and I mean billions and billions of aid to Ukraine, for example, to fund a, a conflict and a war that they have no mission whatsoever of winning. All it does is feed more and more young people and middle-aged people now into the meat grinder as they're being sent out to face uh, Putin's troops. 
so many services are suffering in the UK. You look at the amount of homeless people there are. You look at homeless veterans. You look at the, the lack of uh, in investment in education, the lack of increase in hospital beds, the state that the NHS is in at the minute, and even filtering down uh, to a local level. Puddles yesterday, right? Uh, we went for a drive down a, a nice stretch of road down by the coast, but there was there were actually traffic cones. Had you know the way normally when there's a pothole, you spray a yellow circle around it to warn a motorist that you might end up damaging your car. The potholes around here were so big that they actually put traffic cones in the potholes in the middle of the road. And there was one car we saw. I kid you not. They went into a pothole and the whole wheel had been bent at 45 degrees. The axle was ruined in that car just in the road that we were on yesterday. Now, I know you uh, spent some time in uh, Kenya. Uh, I don't know if you know that or you can remember or not, or if you were uh, heading towards, there's a place called Naivasha, uh, which is just outside of Nairobi. But the road between Naivasha mm -hmm. and a place called Eldoret was like hell on earth if you were traveling on that uh, in the late 2000s into the early 2010s. I had the misfortune of being up and down that road, and it was 200 kilometers worth of just horrible, horrible potholes. I'm sorry to say this, but it kind of it kind of gave me a, a throwback to the old Eldoret Road yesterday as I was driving up the North Down Coast in Ireland. Surely it shouldn't be like that, Simon. Surely not. No. Look, Rick, I, I'm, I'm just back. I mentioned to you before the show started that I'm, I've been away from home for the last five weeks. And uh, I, I've been traveling quite a lot. I've been in uh, Switzerland. I, I had the Great fortune of being in Davos during the World Economic Forum, as you know, and um, I was uh, I was then in in Dubai. I've been in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. I've been back in Dubai. I've been in South Africa. I've been in Johannesburg and Cape Town. Back into Dubai, and you know something that uh, traveling around the world and, and visiting different cities, different countries, um, you realize just how far behind Britain has fallen. Mm -hmm. And the, the the pace at which we are falling behind, it, it really is quite astounding. Uh, I, I, I really feel that Britain is broken. It really is. A, it's, it's a broken country. When you come back yes. into this country and you even even the the uh, arrival into a British airport and, I, and I've ar arrived and departed from quite a few in the last few months. Um, they are all they, they've got a, a, a almost a third world feel about them mm -hmm. uh i had the pleasure of passing through dar es salaam airport uh some months Tanzania. ago and i can tell you dar es salaam um has a far uh better uh, airport uh certainly it's it's okay it's smaller but it it, it feels like a far more modern environment mm -hmm. than landing into the likes of heathrow or, or glasgow um, much more friendly, uh, much more efficient, much cleaner. The toilets are far cleaner. Uh, and you really begin to see where Britain is going at the moment. And it's it's going backwards. And that's, yeah, it, it's it's not good. It really isn't good. Being a British citizen, it's, 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 uh, it, it's very troubling. And Dar es Salaam, if, if people aren't aware, that's uh, that's in Tanzania, uh, which sits just below uh, Kenya. And it's not noted for being a hub of transport. So it's not like Jomo Kenyatta in uh, Nairobi, or it's not like Entebbe Airport in Uganda, which are the main central hubs for transport in East Africa. So even a smaller uh, airport, the like of uh, Dar, 
airport in uh you know tanzania is showing it showing the brits what should be done and again uh, that's not necessarily the way that it should be i'm not i think it's a good thing that they've got their act together but it also shines a very uh, negative light on us and the thing is too you made an interesting comment there uh, it's not just a case of britain is broken right which it is i believe it is but it's becoming progressively more broken by the day so it's not just it's it's been broken and it's now plateaued at a level of brokenness it's 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 breaking down more by the day it's not just a plateau simon i think uh we're falling and uh, we're going down a very slippery slippery slope into the abyss when it comes to britain as a whole yeah it is i think that our our, our political system uh simply isn't working uh now i'm not i don't i'm i'm not going to uh, advocate any uh solution at the moment because uh as as winston churchill famously said you know democracy is the the worst form of government except for all the others um the the problem is that what we currently have and what we have been proud of uh you know over the years um, simply now isn't working for us. It's uh, it's broken, as I said before. The country's broken. The political system is broken. Uh, whatever whatever we are going to uh, do this year in terms of a general election, I, I'm convinced that it's not going to make things any better. In fact, I, I dare say the outcome of the next general election is going to be worse than what we currently have. And that yeah. doesn't mean that I'm suggesting for one moment that we should continue to support the current regime. I don't think we should. But uh, what is probably going to follow is actually going to take us even further downhill. Uh, yeah. the, 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 whole, the whole model that we have of, of the British political system, I think, is now not fit for purpose. I'm not quite sure what we replace it with. But we are at the moment rapidly falling behind the rest of the world, and not just Britain, by the way. I would I would actually point to the whole of Western Europe and indeed North America by saying that we are now falling behind. And I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm not sure what the answer is right now, but going on with the same thing is just a, a sign of madness. It is. It's almost like when you have a fault with your car, you know, the engine's making funny noises. Some people keep driving that thing, knowing full well that it's going to keep damaging the engine more and more and more. That's what I'm seeing when I see uh, Britain and, and Ireland at the minute too, because Ireland is in an absolute pickle as well, run by complete lunatics and incompetence. And when you look at what the alternatives are, you know, because Ireland is in an absolute pickle as well run by complete lunatics and incompetence and when you look at what the alternatives are you know the major players they're all as bad as each other you know when you think about as well the farce that is the prime minister's role at the minute you know two years ago uh, yeah, the year before last, 2022, what was it? We had three prime ministers in the space of three months. We had Boris Johnson uh, replaced by an unelected Liz Truss, who lasted all of six weeks, who was then replaced by an unelected Rishi Sunak. So, you know, in the last, what, couple of years, we've had three people in the PM's role, two of which 
haven't even been elected into that position. And then you have the like of David Cameron, who's been resurrected, you know, dug up, dusted off and resurrected Lazarus style. And now he's been dispatched out to uh, the fog, out to Argentina uh, to reiterate that uh, Britain will not be giving up uh, their ownership or sovereignty over the Falkland Islands again. He's unelected. He had to be made a peer recently by Charles uh, simply for him to fulfill the rule that he's doing at the minute. I think it's really shambolic. And I mean, it's got no it's got no credibility, Simon. There's zero credibility. No, we have a, a serious leadership vacuum in this country, in, in the West. Generally, if you look at who is currently apparently the most powerful man in the world in terms of Joe Biden, um, this is indicative of what's happening in the West. We we just have, there is no credible leadership whatsoever. Uh, we are, we, we're in a, we're in a very serious predicament, actually. We, I, I, I don't know what the answer is right now, but when I look East, I, I see far more um, credibility, quite frankly. And I, I, I see a huge power shift from the West to the East happening right or now. even south look south who would have thought you would have looked at dar es salaam and thought hey that's the way heathrow needs to operate but yes it's a crazy listen it's a crazy time in which we live uh the time has run away with us by the way simon it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again that's simon milton follow him at sequi s-e-q-u-i underscore simon on the twitter platform and listen wherever you are up in scotland there you have a great day and you and i'll stay in touch of course uh james freeman is coming after the break here, so stay tuned for more magic today on TNT, today's news talk.